0: All right, guys, school is back in session. Good to see you tonight. How many guys are here tonight to the men's study for the first time? Anybody out there? few hands going up. Got a lot of return ease. Good to see you guys. So blessed to be here tonight with you guys. Plan for tonight, we're going to have a little Bible study. We're actually going to go through the whole book of Titus in like 15 minutes. Can you believe it? It's only 46 verses, so it shouldn't be too hard. But also, right after that, we're going to have the overview and then of Titus, and then, of course, the orientation where you guys are going to hear from Bob and what uh, men's ministry is kind of all about. Then you have opportunity to join groups and to go hang out with the brothers. It's a good thing. A couple of uh, things, announcements for you. We do have T-shirts. We have last year's uh, what we would call the men's ministry logo. And then this year, we came up with a design, two designs, actually, for the theme this year. The theme this year. What's the theme this year, you guys? (laughs) Anchors. We have this style plus Lee. Model that style right there. Lee has the other style. The anchor goes straight down. So we're taking pre-orders tonight back there with Larry. And by the way, Larry, raise your hand. Larry needs help. So you guys here, you're you're just looking for something to do. You got plenty of extra time. We all get extra time, right? Ha. Plenty of time. He needs help doing all that stuff in the back so you could see him about that. But also, guys, Go get a pre-order. There are t-shirts for sale. Ten bucks. We're not making any money on them. We're just doing it at cost. But uh, it's cool to see. And I love this design. came out good, huh? They anchored there. So that's the theme. Um, One of the first things that we're going to be doing is October 1st, we're having a fellowship night. That's where you bring donuts plus a bunch of food to eat. So uh, your group leaders will tell you more about that. We'll announce that next week as well. It's a time where we just bring food and we fellowship. We get to know each other. The ladies are doing that tonight, but we know the guys are kind of slow at coming, so we do a few things, and then they hear the word food, and they show up. So it's kind of an amazing thing. Uh, The the next big event on the calendar for the men's ministry is our next men's breakfast, Saturday, October 5th. Pastor Rick Doucette will be back with us. Ricky D. You guys remember Rick Doucette? Yeah, love that, brothers. He'll be back with us. And then the following Saturday, we have the Veritas Evangelical Seminary apologetics conference. It'll be in the main sanctuary. Guys coming in, teaching. Just going to blow your mind with what these guys teach on us. They're so smart. It's a cool thing. Uh, Just a reminder for you guys in the men's ministry, where do we park, guys? Out in back. Out in the back 40 there, leaving the uh, area over there for the ladies. And why don't you let you know we have a bunch of resources available for you. You guys all got your bookmark there? How you like that, huh? Fancy, huh? Anchored. So that's for you to put in your your Bible. Um, We have the daily bread. Uh, We have the through the Bible reading plan that the church follows. These are all designed, and you'll see why in a minute, um, why we have these available for you guys. We also have for you available kind of this little booklet that I had Jeff put together. Um, Actually, we put it together. We just asked him to put some stuff in it. These are the Calvary Chapel distinctives. Um, Really more like what Calvary Chapel South Bay believes. And it's the the things that we talk about, the the philosophy of ministry, our position on Calvinism, our position on homosexuality, which is in the news. Can you guys believe that the California Senate passed that resolution? Do you guys read about this? Type in California Senate resolution on the LGBTQ. It's a resolution, so it's not a law. And it's the same knucklehead that tried to do the same thing last year but basically, it's, the resolution is stating that, that it is going to be against the law for me to talk about homosexuality over the pulpit. A- among other things, counseling people who are struggling with the, the same-sex attractions, that's against the law, and that's a resolution. So anyhow, you're going to see our position on homosexuality. We have our position on alcohol and marijuana, in case you were wondering. <laughs> You're like, dang, I knew he was going to get to that one. And then, then uh, just for the sake of it, we have uh, his position, our church's position, even on R-rated movies. Wow, did he get quiet? <laughs> Woo, okay, yeah, make sure you guys read that. And of course, let the Lord speak to you and minister to your heart. But uh, with that, though, let's turn to the book of Titus. Titus. Yeah, R-rated movies, huh? Woo! I'm telling you, man. Movies are killing us. Titus. And of course, the theme this year, Anchored. What was the theme last year? Anybody remember? That's the men's ministry theme. From Colossians. There you go. Awesome, my buddy. Putting Christ first. Anyhow though, um, for those that are new to the study, my name is Rob. I'm Pastor Rob. I'm the associate pastor here. Been on staff with Calvary for 26 years now. I know, I can't believe it. I started when I was about 10, man. That's amazing. <laughs> they let me in that early. But I've, been, uh, I've had the privilege of, uh, of doing the men's ministry. I've actually lost track. I'm thinking going back to 2005 and then before that Probably did it three years. I did like a three-year break, I think. So I can't remember how long, but it's, um, it's just been an incredible privilege. I love the men's ministry. Love men's retreats. Love hanging out with your brothers. And the interesting thing about teaching the men's ministry is that the, the challenge is um, ministering to this whole group of believers here. Because we got guys that are brand-new Christians, guys that are still like maybe even like not posy. Then we got guys like, where's Mark Caleb at? Where's Mark at? Mark, how long you been here at Calvary? 37 years. years. Mark is what we call a veteran with a capital V. So you have guys of all different um, places in their Christian walk, different ages, veterans, some who have always been with Calvary, and then some who have been from other denominations that come on in. So with that, over the years, we've chosen to teach through a book of the Bible, um, much like what Calvary does, of course. Uh, we've chosen to stay in the, uh, the epistles for the most part because of the, uh, the length and, of course, the impact that the epistles have. I mean, you take the, the 13 books that, that Paul wrote, 14 if you believe he wrote Hebrews, and just stay there. I mean, there's so much. I mean, it's, it's everything. It's not that you don't want to teach and read the whole Bible. But as far as the teaching goes, so this year we're going to be in Titus. Of course, um, the theme, Anchored, Holding Fast, the Faithful Word, from Titus chapter 1, verse 9, Holding Fast. And praying about this, looking at this book, and just realizing that it is so important, guys, that we as Christian men, that we get this concept of holding fast, the faithful word, locked in our brain. And our, our heart, my heart for you guys, is that you become men in the word, and therefore becoming men of the word, and kind of what sparked this whole thing—just um, you know, talking to people and going to different places, even different churches and such, and talking to people about, you know, how often do you read the Bible? Now, of course, you're men here on a Tuesday night, and you've heard it said before—you know, it's kind of like preaching to the choir a bit. But I venture to say that even in the room of men here on Tuesday night. There's a lot of guys in here that do not read their Bible every single day. Hence, anchored, every man, say it with me, every day. Every man, every day. Every man, every day. And that's our goal. That's our desire. That's the men's ministry leadership's desire for you guys. And I've been a Christian now for 31 years. And I got to tell you, if there was... If you, you were to ask me, Rob, what's, you know, what has made your Christian walk the Christian walk that it is? Something like that. And I have to tell you, there's only there's one thing. One thing, guys, that, that looking back all the years, and I don't even remember when or how it was instilled into my life, but the reading of God's Word, meditating on it, memorizing it, what we would call devotions, guys, that is the answer for the man of God that stands up here before you tonight. I mean, I've been to thousands of services. Think about it, 26 years, even 31 years as a Christian, thousands. I've been to conferences, pastors' conferences, men's conferences. Been to retreats. Retreats is is a second. It's a good close second. I love retreats. Studies, done studies. But guys, it is the word of God. Plain and simple. And, And we're going to beat that into your heads all year long. And the goal that we have as men in leadership is that maybe even tonight, maybe even starting tomorrow, that every man that comes into this men's ministry would be a man that's in God's word every day. Every day, without excuse, unless you're in the hospital, having back surgery or some crazy thing. But I gotta tell you, there's few and far between the times that I have not been in the word of God on a single day. And so us, number one, we see in the screen there, the word. Every man, every day, our goal. Seven days a week, continuous emphasis and challenge, guys. Why? Why? What is 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 6, 16 and 17, guys? All scripture given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof. For correction, for instruction in righteousness That the man of God may be complete Thoroughly equipped for every good work There's nothing you guys need outside of God's word It is what will give you everything that you need To live this life But how many can hear tonight can say that this is reality And just think of the difference in your life if it was Think of the difference that Christianity What it would look like if every person who, the, the day they got saved, the next day they were men or women in and of the word of God. Seven days a week. I think it would be revival breaking up, if you ask me. So we have the word, but then, of course, the word translates into your walk. And this, this word, walk, translates to obedience to the word. To not just be hearers, but be doers, you guys to instill in you guys a desire to, to do the things and to be these men of God. And honestly, you guys, you could know the word forwards and backwards, but it does you no good unless you do what? Unless you obey what it says. And guys, disobedience, as we all know, comes at a great cost, a great price. Great story in the Bible about Saul, the first king of Israel, there in 1 Samuel chapter 15, a great illustration, great leadership chapter, where the Lord, through Samuel, tells Saul to go and utterly wipe out the Amalekites. And so Saul goes, thinking he's going to do all this, and he, he, he does a partial job. And then he blames the people for saving some of the plunder, they, they, they keep the king alive, and The Lord speaks to Samuel. Samuel comes and just rips Saul up one side down the other. And and ultimately what happens is, in Samuel, that famous line, to obey is better than sacrifice. And Saul's disobedience cost him the kingdom. It was taken from him and given to David, who was a man after God's own heart. But on the other hand, guys, when I obey God's word, the blessings flow like crazy. doesn't mean that you're going to be without trial, without tribulation, without heartache, pain, and suffering. Uh Uh-uh. But even in the midst of all that, in obedience to the Lord, he blesses your life. So we have the word, we have the walk, but also the worship. Our heart for you men. And this, to me, this speaks of a man's heart, the idea of worship. Because here it is. Has a man been touched by the Lord? How can you tell? I'm gonna tell you what, from my perspective, being up here, that a man who worships the Lord has been touched. And you can tell. But there's men that I know, men that I've seen over the years in the congregation, men who have struggled and struggled and struggled with the Christian walk. And you know what they do during worship? Oh, nice singing. If you're not a man who worships, I wonder if God has truly touched your heart. I see it as the fact that, you know what, when when a man has truly been changed by God, it's like God puts worship in his heart. It's like it's DNA, spiritual DNA. It's like Ecclesiastes tells us, Solomon said that God has put eternity in our hearts. God has put worship in your hearts. Why is there worship in our hearts? Revelation chapter 5 tells us that Every single created thing in the universe will one day be doing what to God? Worshiping, brothers. That's, That's our future. Man. So the word, the walk, the worship, and then all of this translates into our relationship. This personal relationship and desire to know him more through his word, through prayer, through study, through fellowship, through devotion, this personal relationship. And that, to me, obviously, the, the greatest benefit of, of coming to Christ, apart from your, your sins being forgiven and eternal life given, is you have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. You can abide under the shadow of the wings. You can, you can stay in this place of fellowship. You can abide in him. And as John 15 tells us, he abides in us. He's the vine. We're the branch. Think about that, guys. We have a personal relationship. No reason to be lonely. You don't need anything else except that. And then, of course, when we look at the emphasis of all this, especially in light of, of what we would call group time and, and this men's study, is, is the emphasis is on the man and his walk, to point you to the word for the answers in your life, to encourage you to open up about your struggles as you, as you break off into groups, to have accountability and fellowship. And one of the most important things, I think, in the church, especially a church this size, is a sense of belonging. You know, that's one of the neatest things I love when I walk through the church and I think about people that are going to be coming to church. They're excited. You know what? Because oftentimes, as Christian men, you don't belong in your workplace, do you? Am I right? You're You're the oddball. You're the, you're the, there's the Christian guy again, and, and you're ostracized, maybe in your own family. How many people, how many of you guys are rejected because you're a Christian in your own family? They look at you, they kind of tolerate you. they kind of like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but you know what? The one most wonderful thing is when you step foot in a church, even a church this size, this is your home, guys. This is your church and and those that are new and those that are have been here for many years that's kind of even what the draw is to keep coming back is that man i when when you're in smaller fellowships when you're doing something like this the church shrinks it shrinks now don't get me wrong there's thousands of people that come to this church on a sunday morning are you going to know them all but guess what i try to i try you're at the doors there i mean i do my best to try and remember people's names Making associations as they're coming through, shaking their hands, and just trying, and as much as I can. That's just the way I am. But I know that it makes people feel like, you know what, someone actually knows that I even show up here. Now I came from a small fellowship. I got saved in a Nazarene church that on a on a good year maybe had two hundred people in the whole church, and everybody knew everybody. And you had your place to sit, and if somebody sat in your seat, you knew they were new to the church like, uh, excuse me, I know it's your first time, but uh, that's my name right there. you know. <laughs> but man, guys, I love it when you have this sense of belonging. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, obviously, I've been here for so many years. I, I belong. I feel like I belong. But I want that same feeling and same comfort and peace for every single man that comes to this church, and woman, anybody. So, so men of the word, men obedient to the word, men who worship, and men who know Jesus. That's, that's our heart for you guys. And so now looking into this book of Titus. Turn to, you're not, to Titus chapter 1. They're quick. And of course, you might know this is a pastoral epistle. One of three. And this is one of the last books that uh, Paul wrote. Um, his personal letter to his sons. Of course, this one son in the faith. Um, short book. Three chapters, 46 verses, which is really actually kind of cool. We're actually, at one of the studies, we're actually only going to be in one verse. And it's kind of give me a sense of like freedom that, you know what I want to do? I'm going to concentrate each study on really one main point. There'll be multiple points in there, but the one main focus for us all in these studies. And it was written, they believe, between 64 and 67 A.D., from Macedonia and Paul was there, but he was on his way to Nicopolis in this letter they believed Zenus and Apollos delivered it, as you can see in chapter thirteen, chapter three, verse thirteen. And of course the purpose ultimately to encourage and strengthen a young Titus, that he'd been out there on the island of the Crete with Paul, ministering, setting up churches. Paul pulls out, goes to take care of business, but he leaves Titus in place there and he he led Titus to the Lord and in the, um, the the writing of it Paul really he establishes his authority for one as we see but also he establishes Titus's authority in this letter that would be no doubt read publicly to many of the churches Titus getting the the really the, the scepter you know passed or the baton passed to him from Paul and a written to instruct Titus to really simply to put things in order in the churches and to establish the leadership in these churches in order to build strong churches that were about the business of evangelizing that whole entire island of Crete. Anybody been to Crete before? Sweet. One of these days I want to do a, 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 a cruise of the Mediterranean there and hit all those, those islands and such. that's on the bucket list. But the background here for Titus, the man, his name means honorable or pleasing. He was born in Antioch. He was Greek. Uh, led to the Lord by Paul, probably there in Antioch, in that area there. Um, he, his name is mentioned 13 times in the New Testament, more than any of Paul's associates. Traveled extensively with Paul, and I believe he was there with Paul even from the beginning, um, where you read there in Galatians when Paul kind of lays out his Christian walk there when he went up north and he didn't even confer with any other apostles, any other disciples, where he, got the, he received the instructions from the Lord. So that's a little bit about Titus himself. Now here in chapter 1 of Titus, really the focus is on kind of Paul, like we said, his introduction, who he was, his greeting to Titus, the the reason why he left uh, Titus in Crete, and of course to establish the leadership and and, and correct the things that were going wrong. And so we see here in verse 1 through 4, we see the person of Paul. So it says, Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledgment of the truth, which accords with God in this, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested His word through preaching, which was committed to me, according to the commandment of God our Savior. Here it is to Titus, a true son in our faith, in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace. From God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Interesting, only in the pastoral epistles does Paul insert mercy in his greeting. Why? (laughs) Because he knew us pastors, those guys in leadership in the church, you need mercy. Lord, have mercy on me. So-and-so is coming up to pray. Lord, have mercy on me. Oh, Lord. Got this situation going on? Oh, Lord, have mercy. Got to deal with somebody on staff? Lord, have mercy And so we see the person of Paul. He was a bondservant in heart first, you guys. Love the fact. Bondservant. That's it. I was telling somebody the other day, I kind of wish that when, I don't know when they, whoever established calling guys like myself pastor. I wish instead of using the word pastor, they would have used bondservant. Wouldn't that have been cool? Here's bondservant Rob. That sounds better than pastor. Bondservant Rob. I mean, because that's the idea behind it. But, of course, sad to say that that people in their mind and men in their their pride can take pasta. Or you can turn it into reverend. Or you can go even a little further. The most high reverend. Whatever. (laughs) You guys know what I'm talking about. Then he was bondservant in heart first, but then he was apostle by calling. God called him to be apostle. And, of course, we'll talk more about that when we get into that first passage of scripture. But he was a preacher by command of Jesus. And his faith was according to the norm or the standard of faith of God's elect who are saved based upon the truth of God's word which will lead a man to godliness. So we had the person of Paul. But then verse 5 through 9, we had the plan. What's the plan? Okay, Titus, here's the plan. Titus was commanded by Paul, number one, set things in order to get the churches running properly in all aspects, including doctrine And then also to appoint the leadership. And he was to appoint leadership based on these qualities that he describes here. And ultimately, it starts off, number one, first thing, one who is blameless. Then everything falls from under there. Blameless. Blameless. Can that be said about me or you, that we are blameless? And then verse nine, of course, one who holds fast, The faithful word, who knows it well enough to teach it and correct it, who is a man of the word, a man who lives by the word, a man who obeys the word. And these were the qualifications. Then we had the problem, verse 10 through 12, that there were those in the church, namely the Judaizers, who did not follow the teachings of the apostles, namely the gospel. When you think about it, that's the main doctrine that was being taught in the church, the gospel. Jesus came to die for the sins of man, to be raised from the dead for the promise of eternal life and such. The introduction of Jesus into this whole thing. And they were spreading false teachings that that had to be confronted. Paul says there that their mouths must be stopped. You know, I kind of get a picture. You guys remember Tuvai, right? Pastor Tuvai? I I, kind of get a picture. Their mouths should be stopped. Tuvai? go have a talk with that guy. And that was not the guy you wanted to have come and have a talk with you, brothers. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that, of course. It means to, to talk to the person, to confront them about things. So I love that, though. So that was the problem that was going on. They're spreading the false teachings. And there's nothing new under the sun. It's been happening for thousands and thousands of years. And then verse 13 through 16, we have the purpose. Now, of course, the purpose... In establishing solid leadership was to be able to make sure that they could correct the false teaching to walk according to truth themselves as an example of the rest of the congregation. And Paul here speaks in this passage about the characteristics of the false teachers. Now, interesting when he sees, says here in verse 12, One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans, those who are on the island, are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Now, who does that describe? <laughs> I'm going for it. Me or you before we got saved, right? That's basically, you're talking about heathens. I mean, you could put different words in there, okay? We before we were Christians, yes, liars, anybody? Were you a liar when you were before you are a Christian? Man, you lie your head. You were pro at lying, huh? I mean, you could lie till you didn't even know what the truth was. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, I'm all mixed up. My wife used to tell me, oh, the wicked... Oh, the tangled webs we weave when once we practice to deceive. Ah, she would kill me with that. I remember one time <laughs> we're driving in the car and I had to hit the brakes a little bit. And she's in the, the passenger seat. <laughs> out from underneath her seat comes rolling some shot glasses, hitting her feet. She picks these up like, So where were you last night? As I told her, I was over at a buddy's house just watching the game or whatever and we'd been out. Anyhow liars, liars evil beasts, yeah we were pretty crazy lazy gluttons, yes, like to eat lazy, just do but anyhow, you see the point here we see these, the characteristics and, and not only are the people on the eye, but also the false teachers and, and really the false teachers they profess to know God but the evidence denies this there's a lot of people we know, they profess to know God but is there any proof is there any evidence is there anything there and of course he goes on to say that they were detestable disobedient and disqualified that's chapter one chapter two now in this chapter the focus is on the character and conduct of those in the churches on crete including titus himself we having a problem with these screens here or something there you go come on dan leave it up there buddy So really, in chapter 2, these instructions are designed to promote a healthy church ready for God to use. And Paul tells Titus really what he needs to teach and how the people are to act in accordance with sound doctrine. And then Paul concludes the chapter speaking of Jesus, the the doctrine of of God our Savior, and how we are to live in response to this grace of God. And so he says here, number one, we have the person of Titus. Verse 1 through 6, he says, But as for you, Titus, but as for you, speak these things which are proper for sound doctrine. And then he goes through this whole list here. Do this. Speak and teach, instructing the older men, the older women, and the young men. And then we have the, the pattern for Titus in verse 7 through 10. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and corruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned that one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of you so this example this pattern that he was to set for others to follow of course in teaching and speech and really in blamelessness and titus had to set the example and the challenge for us men is this thing goes to you as well we've got to set the example we have to Be the pattern for others to follow. Your wife, your kids, your family members, your neighbors, your co-workers. And and in this pattern, in this example, ultimately this idea that people can't look at you and, and have anything evil or wicked to say. They would like to say, but all they can say is, ah, he's just a crazy Christian who loves Jesus. Would to God that would be said of all of us. Amen? So we see this pattern... But then verse 11, love this, we see the person of Jesus. Verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And he is the grace of God who has appeared to all men, not to just some, but to all. Not that all men are saved, which is universalism, but that all men are given opportunity for salvation. That's who he was. That's why he came. They make their choice, but the opportunity is for all. That was the person of Jesus, but also the, person for, the purpose for Jesus, is verse 12 through 15, teaching us for his appearing, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. And the crazy thing, you think about our present age. Those things right there, speaking to us, denying ungodliness, denying the worldly lust, living sober-minded, righteously in this present age, in this age we live in. Nothing has changed. And the purpose for Jesus, of course, was to teach us how to live, to redeem us from destruction, to purify us in order to be able to use us, purifying for himself his own special people zealous for good works speak these things exhort and rebuke with all authority let no one despise you as he continues to minister to titus and then titus chapter three this chapter focusing on the character and conduct of both leadership and member of the church as they live out their lives before an unbelieving world you guys and he just goes through. Here's, here's just, here it is. This is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to live. Number one, the people, verse 1 and 2. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. He us, remind them, his own special people. You're God's own special believer, the believers. Paul gives seven distinct instructions for us, the believers. And then Paul throws in here this verse here, the past. For we ourselves were also once. Anybody like that word foolish in there? Disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasure, living in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. That's the past, you guys. Thank God we have been redeemed. Thank God we are new creations. Thank God we don't have to live like that anymore. That's the past. And then number three, I love this, the praise. Verse four through seven. Man, but God, you guys, but God. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, say with me, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, check this out. This is what we get. We should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Man, it doesn't get any better than that, guys. The benefits of knowing Jesus, the benefits of getting saved, heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Man, anybody ready for eternal life? You ready for heaven? Think about it, heaven. Think about it. What we don't realize is that heaven is a place where there is no sin. See, there's, there's not even our ability to comprehend what that would be like. Because we've never lived anywhere except where sin rules and reigns the heart of man. The praise, you guys. Heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Then number four, again, we have a plan, the plan, verses 8 through 13. Again, Paul tells Titus a plan. Verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these sayings I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable. So he says, hey, Paul, here, here's the plan. Affirm constantly. Number two, avoid distractions. Verse 9 through 11, man avoid foolish disputes genealogy contention strives about the law there's going to be those who come in and those in the church who don't agree with the gospel don't agree with the way the church is teaching Paul says don't don't keep trying to persuade them speak to them once speak to them twice but after that you just got to let it go don't get caught up don't get distracted Don't, don't be caught off course and I'm going to tell you right now guys in the 26 years that I've been here, there are people, some and most, unwittingly. They don't know what they're doing, but as you learn, as you discern, as you talk, you, you, it's just a plant from Satan. Just a person who Satan has directed to come into the church to try and get the pastors and the leadership off track. We've had people come in for counseling and we've put a stop to it now. But they would go to, oh, I'm going to get counseling Pastor Steph. I don't like what Pastor Steph said. I'm going to go to Pastor Pat. I don't like what Pastor Pat said. I'm going to go to Tuvai. I'm going to go to Robert, this and that. And before you know it, that person was calling to get counsel and, and tying up and, and causing just conversations. You've been dealing with this, catch You know what, brother? See the door? Don't let it hit you on the way out. But then there are those whom Satan sends Sends Sins purposefully to the church to disrupt, to try and steal wolves or steal the sheep. They're wolves. And, and then those people have to be dealt with as well. But it's interesting. Avoid distractions, he says. But then thirdly, he says, arrange promptly, verse 12 to 13. It says, come see me quickly. There must have been some plan that they had, a need that Paul had to go see him. We don't know, but Paul was going to send Tychicus or Artemis, and and when they came to relieve um, Titus, Titus was going to meet up with him and uh, hang out with him. And then, of course, verse 14, the purpose, one more time. One more time. And let our people also learn to maintain good works, meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. The final exhortation, this word Maintain good works, it's used five times in our book, it means righteous deeds that are noble and excellent, which do include meeting urgent needs, which would lead to fruitful ministry. And of course, we have those who come in, a lot of urgent needs, a lot of needs aren't quite so urgent. So, in conclusion, Paul told Titus to appoint elders. And that's our heart in this men's ministry, guys. And I got to tell you, the, the desire, for me, what, what I see this year, is I see a whole group of guys that are elders in training. Honestly, in my heart and I've, I've told you this before in the men's ministry that really, ultimately, you guys are all pastors. Because what is a pastor? He's a bond servant. but you guys are pastors, you're elders wherever you go, wherever God leads you. Now, not every single one of you will become an actual elder of the church as far as like a men's group leader, maybe a board member, whatever, whatever. But it doesn't matter. You're elders in this church. And our desire is to train you guys up, train you up, raise you up. Because really, guys, ultimately think about it. Man, the world is coming undone. It is unraveling. Right before our very eyes, it's like amazing what we see taking place. And we say this every year, but I'm telling you what, it is, I've never seen anything like this. In our Christianity, the attack is coming on the church. I mean, for a resolution for like that to be put out. Now, of course, for that to ever become a bill, and it wouldn't surprise you one bit if Knucklehead Newsom was to sign that thing into law. A complete violation of. My constitutional rights, my First Amendment rights, to believe what I want to believe, to think what I want to believe, and to say what I want to say. Because it's, the Christian's the only one who can't do that. Everybody else can say and believe and do what they want. Getting me fired up, man. I'm telling you what. But to train up guys, the church in general is in bad shape. The church is a mess. There was a guy quoted who is, I think like a professor from Biola. No, no, Azusa Pacific. Azusa University, he was there in support of this resolution, a guy who was at what was supposed to be a Christian university, telling us pastors that we need to support the LGBTQ and we just got to accept the fact and, and accept gay marriage and all this kind of stuff. You know what? They can do anything you want. That's the freedom of America, right? I have, you live the way you want to live. But don't you dare tell me I got to say that what you're doing is okay. It's not okay to me. But I'm okay that you don't care. Whatever. But that's that's where we get fired up, amen? Live the way you want to live. I'm not telling you how to live. Anyhow, my prayer for you guys. Again, the people have no hope. The people don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They're a mess. We have the answer, you guys. And my prayer is that you would let God raise you up. You would, you would. We're going to talk next week. First, first message, the calling. What is your calling? What have you been called to do? And my prayer is that God would raise you up, that he might set in order the things that are lacking. And so the question this year as we go through this book, are you ready for the challenge? Do you want what God wants for you? Do you want all that God has for you? Because I can guarantee you that God didn't save you. And again, I'm preaching to the choir. You're here on Tuesday night. God didn't save you just to have you sit in the pew and just enjoy your Christianity. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. No, he saved you to use you. He saved you to raise you up. He saved you to, to be a spokesperson, to be a voice To be a light, to be one who points others to Christ. That's why he saved you. And then heaven too. Amen? But when it comes to God and his people, man, God was all in. He sent his only son. He was all in. How many of you would give up your only son for somebody who hated you? God was all in. Jesus was all in. He went to the cross. All in, man didn't pull up short all in paul what a crazy guy paul i can't wait to meet this this lunatic man this lunatic for jesus this guy was so on fire for the lord of course all you gotta do is read the book of acts and you see the story of paul every time he went to synagogue what happened when he came out the door boom 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 he must have known how to fight like crazy he was must have been a fighter he was the mma champ buddy i'll bet getting whipped on all the time chapter 14 of Acts I'm going to talk to the staff about that tomorrow just an amazing story (laughs) he goes into uh, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, whatever and the Jews hear that he's there the the Iconium Jews they come they grab him and then they stone him they stone him and they drag him out of the city thinking that he's dead how far did they drag him? This cracks me up it wasn't like 10 feet he was out He was dead, they believe, of course. That's when they believed that he he got that great vision. But then he gets up, shakes the dirt off him, and says, We must, with much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. Let's go back in town, guys. (laughs) You're nuts. I'd be, like, done with this stuff. Crazy. Paul was all in. He was all in, and Titus was all in, you guys. A true son in the faith. He was committed to the cause of Christ by the question, of course, how about you, how about me, how about us? Are you all in? Are you all in, brothers? Because 2 Corinthians 5:15 says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced, convinced, that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live. For themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised up. What does that look like in your life? Are you living for Jesus? Or are you living for yourself? We'll explore a lot of that as we go through this book. It's going to be a great year. Let's pray, brothers. Father, again, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that as we continue this men's study that, Lord, you would put into the hearts of every man an incredible love for your word, Lord. And that, Lord, in their desire to really to discipline themselves, to get up early if they have to, earlier than early, to read, to receive, to grow. Lord, you would bless their obedience, their desire, Lord. You would fill their hearts to the overflowing. God, you'd raise them up. You would use them. You would, you would help them find that place you have really, Lord, tailor-made for their lives. I'm excited about what you're going to do, God. Lord, we see the signs of the times. We believe you are right around the corner as we see this world collapsing and people so hopeless, so hopeless that even pastors are killing themselves, Lord. Father, help us to be men who, who stand in the gap, who are our on fire for our families who are setting the example, a pattern for our kids to follow, for our family members, our coworkers, that we would not be ashamed of the gospel, that, Lord, we would stand boldly and proclaim the truth, and we would draw the line in the sand and say, no, we're we're not going there. We're not doing that. We're going to live blamelessly above reproach. We're going to hold fast the faithful word. Bless, Lord, we pray. Thank you again for this night, for this opportunity, for these men. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.